0: Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths working in a wide range of mediums on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God. Jehovah, Allah, Source, the universe, the great mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Bernie Keita. He graduated with a master's degree from the University of California, San Francisco in 1987. He launched his career in medical illustration with the first edition of the Atlas of Pediatric Orthopedic Surgery, authored by Raymond T. Morrissey, M.D., Bernie was the primary medical illustrator for Scottish Rite Children's Medical Center for 12 years, where he became a well-respected, award-winning illustrator. He's been praised for his attention to detail and graphic realism that allowed him to produce over a dozen successive surgical atlases. He was certified in 1991 by the Association of Medical Illustrators and has been recognized with awards in projection media and illustrated textbook categories. He has also been featured in the Healing Arts, the best American artists look at medicine today in 1995. He now works out of his home studio where he has a more flexible and far shorter commute. He enjoy- enjoys the challenges that each new assignment brings and the resulting relationships that develop while working with art directors, editors, and publishers, physicians, surgeons, and other uh, allied health professionals. Welcome, Bernie.
1: Hey, good morning.
0: And speaking of relationships with people you worked with, you and I worked together on several projects at Scottish Rite many, many years ago.
1: We did indeed.
0: So it's nice to reconnect with oh, you. I'll
1: say. This is fantastic.
0: So how did you get interested in medical illustration? That's such a very specialized type of art.
1: <laughs> you know, it, uh, I was in college, and um, if I can uh, abbreviate this as much as possible, i really was foundering you know it's a typical freshman story where you know people are asking have you chosen a major have you chosen a major and it's, i had gone back to visit my high school my favorite high school teachers mrs fangman was my anatomy teacher and she did ask the question and i said eh, i think i'll go into forestry and she <laughs> said that she goes forestry she goes but you 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 nailed my class and your art is so fantastic why don't you go into medical illustration and i said because i've never heard of it before and she boy she was amazing she popped out she pulled out a book she had a list of accredited schools somewhere in her files that offered that program i was like what is up with this and um i took off from that point i from that point on i was i was a great student because suddenly i had a goal and um uh, i never looked back
0: it is amazing the influence our teachers have on us. My, my high school art teacher was really instrumental in my becoming a graphic designer, and I didn't know that that was a career either. So it's um, thank goodness for our teachers.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so did you always think of yourself as an artist?
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I, early on, very, very early on, uh, I'm a twin. And my sister actually was the vocal uh, communicative one. Um, she was, uh, she opened all the doors. She's the one who got us into trouble, I'll say. But uh, I was the nonverbal one. And it uh, quickly became apparent that I could express myself through my little sketches and drawings. And that's how I made friends growing up for a long time. And even bullies in, in fourth grade, uh, for whatever reason. I'd get in a fight with them one day, and the next day, they're asking me to draw a picture of a superhero. And, you know, <laughs> we hit it off. So that's just kind of how that all evolved.
0: Well, I know, and I know that a bullying is such a big thing in schools now. Would you have any suggestions for a kid that's getting bullied of how they can get around that?
1: Oh, uh, wow. That's a tough question. Um, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's something I'd... Uh, the way I coped with... Bullying was—I um, don't know. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's hard to to look back and see how it's miraculous I'm alive today. I think because I would stand up for what I believe. I mean, uh, oftentimes I'd get mixed up in you know playground fights and stuff where somebody else is getting picked on, and I just saw the injustice of it, and I'd be the one getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I, I don't have any advice. Isn't it?
0: So you just use all the gifts at your disposal.
1: Yeah, just use me as a punching bag,
0: <laughs> and then I'll draw you a superhero, and I'll draw a superhero exactly. <laughs> so Bernie, how do you? Um, how does your spirituality find expression in your art?
1: You know, um, I thought about that question for a long time. Um, and i don't try and tap into my spirituality intentionally before i sit down and do anything and it's often it's not until i look back at the whole process i realize uh how grateful i am with the gift that i've been given and uh the fact that it was successful and that it communicated a message to whoever's going to be looking at it and I don't, it could be a layperson, it could be a physician, it could be another artist. And that is when it hits me. But it's never anything intentional as I'm doing it, if you will. You know, I don't, I don't tap into the divine source, if you will, while I'm doing something. It is meditative uh, for me. If I get into something, I lose all track of time. So, um, but it's often when I look back at a project that I think, Wow. That was really something.
0: Well, and I think that because of the kind of work you do, our bodies are such exceeding miracles. I mean, there's so many things of it that you think, oh, my gosh, how does that work? And how does that, you know, repair itself so quickly? And how does that come about? And, I, you know, I'm not very, I mean, I'm not very involved in the medical field, but the little bit that I see it, it just amazes me. So because of the kind of work you do, I would think you're even more involved in that that miracle process
1: it is miraculous um i mean i i witnessed you know back once upon a time I, i did go into the or um i don't think that'll ever happen again these days and that's fine because you know one extra body in the or nobody needs that but i'm i'm glad i had the privilege to do that because i would witness the healing process as we were going through the operation i mean you have to the, the surgeon has to work fast because the body is trying to heal itself immediately wow yeah so to that respect it's just incredible and you know people think i'm so weird but i can be such a geek about this stuff um back in back in grad school and we you know we had cadaver lab and i expected this moment of of you know i wasn't Expecting a host of heavenly angels opening up, and we opened up the the body. I was, but I was thinking, "Wow, this is it," you know. And it was like, "Am I going to faint?" You know. <laughs> there's all of these uh, million thoughts running through my mind, and and but in the cadaver lab, was like, "Oh, is that it?" <laughs> because everything's dead. There's nothing. There's nothing living that you're looking at in the operating room. 180 degrees. Wow. Every, everything is alive. Everything is shimmering. Everything is—it's pulsing. It's vibrant. The colors, um, uh, the layers. It just—it everything comes to life. It's unbelievable. So huge difference. But that in and of itself, the—if I could ever capture some of the shimmering tissues, oh, I've you know, I've, I've hit it out of the park if I can do that because that's what I'm seeing. Um, it's just incredible.
0: So, how do you how how does a project unroll for you? How does that how does that happen? That you what do you work from, and and how do you then translate that into a finished illustration?
1: Well, these days, it's always a request. Um, uh, it, it either comes from a medical publisher or a doctor. Um, Every once in a while it might be a pharmaceutical company, but um, that's very seldom. But it comes in as a project request. And they explain, I just got one, uh, a request, uh, what's today, Uh, Friday. I got one on Monday, and the guy says, uh, we need to submit a paper, and we're going to take this new approach. So it comes in as a project and they send me pictures if they have them. And I ask them, I said, can you send me a picture? He goes, well, you're not going to be able to tell what they are. So well, send them anyway. And so um, I'll look at the series. And every once in a while, they'll have a manuscript. And they're afraid to send it to me but um, because it's not finished. They're very self-conscious about that stuff. But um, I'll look at the manuscript if I have them. But I'll just look at the pictures. And then what I'll do is I'll interpret what I see in the pictures going on. And then I'll say, now, this looks like a critical step. This is what's going on here. Um, I think it'd be good to show a cross-section here rather than just a surgical view because this is why. And I'll send them my feedback based on that initial um, uh, request. So uh, so at that point, you haven't done any sketches or anything no, yet? No, 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 no. All I'm doing is interpreting and uh, just seeing if I get it. I might not get it. And um, it was funny. This doctor, the doctor I'm working with is a great guy. Um, he calls me back. He goes, Are you sure you're not a surgeon? <laughs> <laughs> I went, it's a heck of a lot different pushing a mouse around than a scalpel. <laughs> 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 um, I said, no, I'm not. A, he goes, man, he goes, I, I showed these pictures to some of my colleagues, and they didn't know what was going on. And he goes, you just hit it on the head. It's like, okay, well, good. Then I get it so we can we can move forward, and so then we negotiate prize and yada yada yada, and, and um, uh, we get the project rolling so
0: so you really act as a translator between
1: exactly the
0: photographs that they have yeah. and what they 're trying to convey and yeah. then what the finished yeah. product is
1: yeah, and the beauty of illustration is you're not, you know you 're not just trying to pretty up uh, a picture that they 've given you, although sometimes it helps. But it's, it's also looking at it and saying, okay, how can I better explain this to the viewer so that they understand the concepts that, you know, I mentioned the cross-section. Well, you know, why are they cutting through the bone this way? Well, because if you cut through this way, then they're avoiding uh, the insertion of this muscle group so that they can uh, provide easier access to the area that they're trying to get to. You know, it's, it's just telling a story.
0: And I know you did, as we mentioned in your bio, you spent 12 years working on staff at, at yeah. Scottish Rite, which is now Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Right. And then you still continue to do a lot of work with them. How is it, how's it different when you're doing illustrations that involve children versus oh. adults?
1: <laughs> um, it's frustrating sometimes with children. Uh, their bones aren't always formed. Uh, we're talking orthopedics, so we're talking about bones here in this case. But their bones aren't always formed. So if I'm sent X-rays, I'm not always seeing what the trained surgeon is seeing. Um, ah, those little guys—they're so—it's uh, that's part of the the miracle, if you will, uh, when you see how something that really hasn't quite formed yet, and it's and it's in process and. And these surgeons are working to make sure that you know whatever they can do to help help them along the way it's incredible, but um the frustration with working with pediatrics is, is 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 not everything is there that meets the eye, and you gotta everything is soft and malleable and just unformed and and you gotta figure out you know there's growth plates like well where's the growth plate? adults don't have growth plates so um and their bony anatomy is just such, it's just, everything is sharp and well-defined. And then kids are kind of it's like, eh, is that a bone? <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> so you have to show it well enough for people to understand, but
1: it but may not, got, but you
0: can't make them look like adults either. Exactly.
1: You cannot. Uh, uh, you know, and I've seen it done where it's like, wait a minute, this is a pediatric alley. that That's an adult bone, you know? And, you know, but that's, that's one of those esoteric conversations that, you know, have with other medical illustrators. We get nitpicky. <laughs>
0: well and it it seems like such a very specialized field. do you have other medical illustrators that you can bounce ideas off of and that you can talk about how to approach something with
1: you know uh there is an association of medical illustrators now um, um I have not been uh, with them ever since i you know my my career's gone through a few divergent fields so Uh, After my initial 12 years, um, I dropped my membership, but there is an association that um, that's exactly what they do. You you compare notes and um, they have a salon. I mean, it's a terrific group of folks. As a matter of fact, I've been sitting there thinking, I've got to join up with them again. (laughs) I run into them every once in a while, but online I do have discussions with them. And um, uh, it's it's always rewarding to have those discussions.
0: So do you have some favorite um, projects or illustrations that you've worked on?
1: Oh uh sure. Um and and they've been more recent and that's because uh of the advent of the digital age and printing's become so much cheaper. Um back when I started everything was in black and white. Oh, you know. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> and now everything can be in color. And I just finished uh as a mammoth project. It was a two year project, um I can't uh, scads of illustrations, but um, from head to toe, uh, every part of the body I got to work on. So wow. that was that was phenomenal. Um, just it, just in depth and breadth of, of what I was able to do, and, and the color that we can incorporate now is just so much fun. It's it's very liberating.
0: So when you're working either on a project or something of your own, how do your ideas? Come to you, and how do you decide which ideas you're going to move forward with?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I tell you that um, the ideas come to me well. Uh, have I made a mistake before on something? because that's happened, um, and I've learned from it, so experience, um, whatever the dialogue is that I'm having with uh, the individual I'm working with, um, what they want to convey. Sometimes that's successful. Sometimes it's not. Um, but basically, it's it's pretty. Now I just owe it all up to experience. Now uh, it's it's something that's almost second nature for me. Um, I, I enjoy it. I, I I like getting those comments of well, "Are you sure you're not a surgeon?" Because <laughs> I you know I can talk the language with them. I know exactly what they're talking about, and um, I can relate to them on on their level. So. I just reach back and it's like okay, yeah, I've been there. I know what they're going through. I know what the issues are, and um, I know what might uh, help convey the message for them better.
0: So, do you have to do any kind of ongoing um, education to stay on top of things?
1: I t- the ongoing education is um, reading the manuscripts when they come in. I read every chapter that that I work on. I read. Because I need to understand what they're trying to convey. That is my ongoing education. I don't do any, you know, actually the ongoing education I'd love to do is more illustration and animation, if you will. And there's just no time for that right now for me. But from a knowledge-based standpoint and anatomy and surgical technique, it's it's the manuscripts I get. So it's 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 always something new and it's always ongoing.
0: So at this point, if you get a manuscript that you think is hard to understand, do you give them that feedback? Oh,
1: I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Say that in English, please. Um, yeah. I, and there was a day when I was afraid to give them that feedback because I thought, well, that's going to reflect poorly on me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. The most important thing I learned along the way, and this goes for fellows and, and um, you know, uh uh, med students as well. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, that's the most, you know, our society is so, so, so geared towards perfectionism. It's like, well, nobody, you know, reaches the point of perfection without making their mistakes. We're asking questions along the way. And I ask a ton of questions. And sometimes my skull's so thick, I still don't get it. But, you know.
0: Well, but people communicate Differently, and sometimes if they're saying something one way, but they're but you're not getting it, that means somebody else is not going to get it if that it, if it's said that way either.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if if you were going to teach, I know we were talking just before we went on air that you had thought about doing some teaching. If you were going to teach this kind of art, what where would you start with that? How would you get people kind of Interested and in, and into where they needed to start to become a medical illustrator.
1: Oh, uh, uh, are they are they truly interested in it or not? Um, they're you know just. It like, sounds like
0: you have to have a lot of technical, um, um, a technical mindset to be able to do this. Well, you know,
1: my mindset's a little more organic, um, which is why I didn't go into architecture. Let's say. Okay. I'm not a mathematician. I hate math, and um, but my mindset is more organic. But um, when the field was revealed to me, I, it's you know you talk about love at first sight. It was love at first sight, and then maybe it was the illustrator Fred Harwin who was the illustrator that I saw his work in um, Communication Arts magazine eons ago. But I just fell in love with it. I thought, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this. And it was gorgeous. That was it. That was it. Uh, For me, you know, uh, when I saw that, I thought, boom, I'm there. That's what I want to be. After my conversation with Mrs. Fangman. (laughs) Um, And lo and behold, you know, that publication came about six months after I had that conversation with her. Really? Yeah, yeah. A little synchronicity there. Yeah, 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 a little exclamation point. So uh, what would I teach students? So it's, okay, are they really, you know, I think you have to be fascinated and somewhat enamored with the human body and how it works. That's that's a must. In the field, you deal with a lot of egos. But if you truly have a love for what you're doing, all that gets pushed aside, and that's not an issue. So do they have a love for it, um, an eagerness to learn, um, and then a willingness to try new things? Um, that's kind of the basics. And then uh, from that point on, you know, people talk about fundamentals. you still got to go back to the fundamentals. I don't care if we're on computers or not. You know, if you got to understand light and shade and perspective and all of that stuff. And I, w- I would want the uh, students to know that. And they need to learn it.
0: So was it a difficult transition for you to transition from creating ink on paper and paint on canvas to the digital, the digital world?
1: Yeah, Um, it was, and the difficulty was, I I I still wanted to I wanted my work to look like, um, it was hand done, and digitally speaking, that especially early on, that was very. I mean, you know, oh wow, they did that in Illustrator, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And actually, so that's why um, I actually took off. um, I excelled in Photoshop because Illustrator, I stayed, I steered clear. Of of Illustrator for a long, long time because I just it was a different way of working. It was flat. It was it was painstaking. It was just it had its advantages, but it was not intuitive for me to use. So that you know, when I'm pushing pixels, it was more like pushing paint. So Mm -hmm. that's why Photoshop, Photoshop took off for me. Apply a filter here and there, do some smudging, and now because you've got on screen, you know, you can literally work on screen. As you're, you know, you've got digital tablets, but, you know, it was digital tablet over to your right while you're looking at, you know, the screen over on your left. And it was kind of hard to connect those dots, but now you can just do everything directly. And it's a marvelous thing. So talk about a marriage now of creativity and and, and the power of uh, digital um, computers is amazing. But um, as far as that transition goes, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, uh, It was very tough.
0: I think a lot of people of our generation that started out with, without the computers and then transitioned over, there was a lot to learn. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we kind of learned it as it was developed, too. So,
1: But i tell you something, a lot of things I didn't miss by doing, you know, you know we, pen and ink drawings. You know, we used to have to buy a clay-coated illustration board and polish it with a pearl... Eraser before we even laid any lines down on it. And talk about frustration. Like, you want me to what? You know, and what if the thing was, you know, 10 by 14? It'd take 24 hours just to get the surface polished. I mean, I had thoughts of you know taking an orbital buffer, see if I could do it that way. And I was like, really? How can I make this quicker? So computers have really negated that uh, that process, which I don't miss.
0: Yeah, there definitely are a lot of advantages. And with you know, and
1: fingerprints with uh, when you're yeah. airbrushing. Oh my gosh, you know.
0: And and all the stuff that you would breathe, or you'd have a mask that you'd have to wear all the yeah, time.
1: Yeah, well, we haven't seen the effects of that yet. <laughs>
0: That may still show up at some point.
1: <laughs> I think it's already started.
0: A little, a little extra pink in your lungs or something.
1: I'm thinking more. It's like uh, it's more mental.
0: Oh well, that could be too. That could be too. Um, so I'm curious how your how your art has affected your spiritual evolution, or how your spiritual evolution has affected your art.
1: I uh, the spiritual evolution has affected my art. Um, I don't. I don't think it's the other way around. Um, and spiritually speaking, that, that too is is something that's fluid, um, every bit as fluid as our physical lives are. So as I've grown spiritually, it's brought more meaning to what I do, whether it's on the computer or on a canvas. Um, it gives me more, more insight, depth of meaning, perspective what have you it's definitely it's definitely that my my spiritual has affected my artwork so does that answer your question
0: it does okay it does. yeah absolutely so i know you've got a couple of kids are oh, yeah. you, are your kids artists as well
1: <sighs> um one in particular stands out um it's one of my frustrations she's got the talent but not the patience and uh but she's she's still finding herself she might end up there someday. Um, as a parent, it's hard to gauge how. I don't want to shove her into anything. I want her to, you know, make it think it was her decision in anything she does. So she definitely has the talent, but she's not at this point willing to utilize it. So we'll see. To be continued. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and I would think that it might be a little intimidating too to have such a successful artist as a dad to feel like that you're almost that you are in a position that you might be trying to compete with that
1: well i never thought of it that way because i was always hoping that's like do they see how i just enjoy being doing what i'm doing and who wouldn't want to enjoy doing what they want to do yeah but i've never thought of it the way you presented it that could be daunting
0: (laughs) well because what you do is really so very specialized and it's and most people can't do the kind of work that you do.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. I, uh, it's a niche, but it's, you know, it's also I think it's quirky personalities too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that about artists. You yeah, have such quirky personalities. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so tell tell our listeners how they can how they can look at your art and how they can find you.
1: Oh well, I'm. Um, I've got my website. Um, just do a gurgle, gurgle, do a gurgle search. <laughs> Do a Google search on Bernie Keta. I come right up, and you can that'll take me or you to the webpage, uh, Um It needs updating, but uh, that'll take me. It'll take you there. And then um, I'm also I've I mentioned earlier in our conversation. I'm starting a Facebook illustration page, which also is art on Facebook. And there's a link from my website to the Facebook, vice versa. So. Uh, but if you do a Google search, um, you'll find me.
0: And spell uh, and spell your name for people that.
1: Uh, B is in boy, K I D is in dog. A B Kita Med Art. Okay. So yeah. Great. Yeah.
0: So do you have any last thoughts for our listeners that about how they might be able to connect their own creativity with their spirituality, or how they might just explore their creativity more?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, and it's about it's about. Uh, being vulnerable, and I think, um, you know, my art was my way of. I used my art in a lot of aspects, you know, whether it's making friends or whatnot. But at some point, when we try and draw something, we always want it to be perfect, and that's never going to happen. And we always we, we we need to we need to learn to accept that. You need to become vulnerable, and allow that to happen because it's through that process that that's when you learn. And that's when you get new ideas. So when you become, when you make yourself vulnerable, it's also when other people see your struggles and either an instructor is going to come along and uh, help you with that struggle, or a colleague is going to see that and go, oh man, I'm going through the same thing. And it allows you to connect with other people. Um, Let's see. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Brene Brown. Yes. She's fantastic. And, and I wanted to quote her because um, it's been so valuable to me. But, the, you know, she talks about vulnerability. And she says, uh, the core, it's, vulnerability is the core of shame, fear, and the struggle for worthiness. And I think that's, that's so true on every level for all of us in any aspect. But she says, it's also the birthplace of joy, creativity, and belonging and love. That's huge, and if you're willing to let yourself open, that's that's the core of that's the birthplace of, of creativity, and um, you know that's that's pretty pretty deep stuff.
0: That is that's very powerful. I I heard a TED um, talk by her, and she was I think it was the second one because she had done she was referencing the first one that she'd done about shame, and she was commenting that she had. Said things in that first TED talk that that after she left, she was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I hope nobody sees it." Right. And then, like right. the next day, it was like millions of people had already seen it. So she had to come to grips with, yeah. "Okay, I put this out there," yeah. and then understand the gift that that brought to her yeah. and the people that came to her because because she was vulnerable in that.
1: It's so true on so many levels, but definitely uh, in the creative world, I, I think it's more true um, than in most cases. So.
0: Well, Bernie, it has been such a pleasure to have you with us today and thank you for thank you for saying yes the second time I asked you <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure
0: that's great so um, tell our listeners one more time how they can find you
1: um uh, my website is b medart dot com and I'm also on Facebook under beita medart. I have a personal Facebook page, but don't go there um so definitely, or do a Google search on Bernie Keita, and um, I will come up. So those are three ways that uh, you can take a look at my stuff and contact me. I love chatting with people online and whatever. And if I can help, great.
0: And if somebody needs a medical illustration, you're their guy.
1: <sighs> that too.
0: That too. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, ArtAsWorship.net. Please come share your stories of artist worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.